Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello everyone, this is Umar Hamid, your host, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategies, and advice on how to make you better, stronger, faster. Get ready for another episode. Hello, everyone. Today, I've got the privilege of having Samir Qureshi here with me today. Samir, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Samir, Amelda Marcos had this fetish for shoes. And uh, you were telling me before this podcast started, when you were 14 years old, you wanted to buy stuff and your mom had said, hey, wait a minute, you need a job. Tell me about that, how you got into the working world at 14 years of age. Well, to correct you, it's 13 years old. Um, but, you know, ultimately, um, you know, look, as any kid watching TV, you want new clothes, you want new shoes. And like, I remember every year was the same routine, get go to the shoe store, get something new for new outfit for the first day of school. And ultimately, you know, at one point, I wanted, I guess, a new different type of brand. And I was like, Mom, you know, you have all these shoes. And she's like, well, I have a job. And I said, Okay, what's that? And uh, I figured out what a job was and I went out and got myself a job because ultimately I wanted what I wanted. At the same time, you know, I don't, I don't like the word no. I still don't like the word no. So I ended up working at a pizzeria um, at $4 something an hour um, in Rockville, Maryland, down the street from my house where I could use my rollerblades or my skateboard to get to work after uh, middle school. <laughs> so how did your mom react to that in terms of, you know, the concept of getting a job uh, and then working at a pizzeria is pretty late evenings. So what was her reaction to that? I mean, I think that, uh, you know, they didn't, I, I don't recall any pushback, to be honest with you. Um, the guy ended up being, he ended up being Palestinian too. So I don't know if that made them a little more comfortable, um, but it was right down the street. Um, I was literally a mile and a half away. And, you know, I mean, I was a pretty responsible kid, straight A student. I got all my stuff done. So I think all that helps. Um, and ultimately, as time went on, I mean, I think the only way is to see by action, right? So I was never late on anything. I still went to school every day, took care of my responsibilities. And so I don't remember actually any pushback at all um, on that. So it was a pretty supportive situation. Brilliant. So you went for your real estate license, uh, several attempts. Tell me about that. You know, coming from Middle Eastern families, education is important and passing is important. So what was that like when you didn't make real estate on the first go round? Well, I mean, obviously, I think as any Middle Eastern parents, they all want you to be doctors or lawyers or dentists yes. or whatever it may be based on your if you're a failure. You can be an engineer. Yeah, exactly. I used to want to be a doctor, but I can't stand the sight of blood. So I'm glad I did a different iteration. Um, but, you know, my dad got into real estate in 1989 when he came to this country and uh, more power to him, you know, being an independent broker himself and um, really busting down the barriers and walls and giving myself an opportunity in my family. Nice. So, you know, I'm proud of that. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, um, you know, it did take me four attempts. I mean, I'm, I'm so, so hyper. I'm to this day, I'm very OCD, very hyper, but I think that's what makes me function. Uh, but it was very hard to sit still being 18 years old, being in college, being living on your own. I mean, the world is your oyster. Um, so I had a lot of uh, different distractions, if you will. Um, so friends would call me and I, while I'm studying, I'm like, let's go out. I'm like, all right, let's go. So, I mean, I was more in tune with that because I didn't know what, was to be expected. I was used to making $100, $200 a day as a waiter or as a food runner or whatever it was, right. instant gratification. Um, but you know, finally stuck it through. After four attempts, I finally got my license. And then I went after my other two licenses as well and had the trifecta, the Maryland, D.C., Virginia area. 
And at the time, my parents also moved to the Middle East. So I was helping run the company. It was a small shop. It was just my dad and maybe a couple agents. And he had a lot of right. property management stuff. So, you know, I kind of stepped into the bigger role, if you will, um, not knowing what tomorrow would bring. I mean, back then it was the yellow pages that were your internet. It was carbon paper contracts. It was a right. key to all the foreclosures. There was no there was no internet really. There was no I was using maps to go show houses like you're playing Battleship, like A oh, yeah. fifteen. Um, and I remember our phone used to ring a lot and that's how I used to get leads because we were AK real estate. So we oh, were right up front. Right up front. So I remember that big ass um, yellow pages and so people would call and I remember I remember my first time when my dad was here. Somebody called and said, hey, do you sell commercial real estate? I'll never forget the story. My, and I, I put on hold and I was like, dad, do we sell commercial? And he said, look at your business card. And I looked at my business <laughs> card and it was like business, commercial, residential, property management. And I called the lady. I was like, yes, ma'am, of course. And my first transaction, believe it or not, was a commercial real estate transaction. Uh, I remember selling office space for her, two townhouses that were offices. So it was like the weirdest transaction, my first one um, at that, oh, brilliant. along with that one foreclosure deal I was working on. But, you know, that's how I got into it. And, uh, you know, the fact that my father was in real estate, I think was a softer blow that I wasn't some Dr. Qureshi. You know what I mean? <laughs> Makes sense. So let's backtrack a little bit because you're like a teenager. I want to go back to the failures at the exam. It's like Yoda talking to the Skywalker. Remember the failure at the cave? And the reason I bring it up is you kept going. What kept you going? Because in the day and age we live in right now, there's such a, if I fail, I give up seems to be more prevalent now. What kept you going? <sighs> I hate to lose. Um, and so, you know, being on my own, being a big thinker, you know, entrepreneur, trying to figure that out at the time. Um, I just, I didn't like to lose and I, and I, I can't stand it. So I've never given up on anything in my life. Um, and I just, you know, it just, I was having a lot of pressures just being a kid, you know, like where do I spend my time? My other friends are partying, my other friends are traveling and I'm at home reading a book. Like, are you kidding? Um, so ultimately um, I just kind of like got fed up and I said, you know what, let me just get this out of my life. I can't just keep paying for fees and, you know, moving my schedule around. And like, if I'm actually going to go enjoy these other things, let me just get this out of the way. I'm a huge procrastinator. So right. I just finally buckled down, did it. And I mean, I would fail the exam by like two or three questions. It wasn't anything crazy. It was that close. Yeah. yeah. But if I paid attention, I mean, looking back at my younger self, I mean, I'm glad I did it all, but I could have done it. I could have done it faster, but at the same time, it's part of your storyline, right? Um, Absolutely. And I think just that. getting that thing of keep on going and making it happen. Uh, one of the things before we went on air, you were telling me was uh, you were still working in the restaurant kind of space and you were taking out the garbage at the back of the restaurant. And some guy asked about distressed properties. Tell me about that. <laughs> He's still a friend of mine to this day. His name is Alex. And uh, I was, uh, it was that Samore Italian restaurant in Rockville, Maryland. I was throwing trash in the back and he was sitting outside, you know, just congregating at the end of the night. And he says, you know, I really want to buy a foreclosure. I didn't really tell him I didn't know what it was, but I, I assumed it. And I said, okay, sure. And I got back to him the next day. I did a bunch of research and it was like something called HUD Home Store at the time. You know, the federal government had a website where you can go online and bid uh, for properties. And I ended up pulling that, registering. And uh, I got with him the next day. I said, look, we want to buy a foreclosure. Here's what areas we have. Let's look into it. And I made a bid for him. I remember I, even, I could even type in how much commission I wanted. And I remember booking myself a 5% commission, basically on a $112,000 transaction. And uh, we ended up, you know, I won, won that deal and I quit <laughs> the restaurant. I didn't even wait for my check to come. I said, you know what? I'm done. I cannot stand waking up in the morning, seeing my clock and saying, oh, I have to be at work in two more hours. So 
it was a pretty phenomenal thing. And then I, he ended up buying it, fixing it, and flipping it. So I ended up doing two transactions and ended up selling him a lot of homes over a period of time. Uh, but that was how I first started. Um, you know, fake it till you make it in a way, not in a negative way, but basically taking it in, learning as fast as possible, and then taking the opportunity and, and, and self-teaching yourself because this is a self-business and you have to rise up and not, you can't always think that someone's going to help you. At some point, uh, you started building a team and going from like a, a solo guy that's, you know, hey, I'm not taking no for answer, I'm up for any challenge. Leading people is a different skill set and often it's like uh, herding cats. So tell me about that first experience and how you, the lessons you learned that somebody starting into this business that's already doing well as an agent, having the insane notion of building a team, what advice can you give them? Yeah. I mean, first you got to ask yourself, are you sure you want to get into real estate? I mean, it's not for everybody, um, but it can be very, very rewarding. And I think that um, obviously when my family left, I was kind of put into a situation where I didn't know what was going on really, but you know, did your best on the fly, which is be responsible, stay organized um, and stay between the lines. And, you know, as time grew, um, I caught myself think the biggest lesson I learned early on was that everyone was not going to be like me. And I think that was the biggest thing I had to get over where it was like, okay, well, I'm sitting with somebody, I'm interviewing them or I hired them or whatever the role they were in because we were doing mortgages and real estate at the time. We had a fine mortgage company and real estate. And, you know, I had to have a rude awakening to realize that why I'm just getting so disappointed by these people, but I had to kind of realize and adapt myself that not everyone's going to be like me. So that was the first realization of trying to build something was also getting out of my own way. I think we are the biggest critic and the toughest thing in anyone's life is yourself. Um, so after I started kind of moving past that part, I said, you know what, let me start extracting the best out of people. Let me start writing down the things that I didn't like. And that's how I created jobs. And that's how I created systems and models and efficiencies. And that's where I started saying, okay, well, basically, based on what I wrote down, I think I need more people to help me and find the people that can play to these certain places where I lack, for example. And that's where I started rolling down that path for a team and, and growth. So tell me about someone that you hired, and you can change the name of the innocent if you want to, where they had a certain level of presence, but you extracted that brilliance that they had within them. Because that's part of leadership, right? Is getting people to let go of the fear and step into what they could be. Sure. Tell me about one of those stories, how you discovered yeah. what was there and how you brought it out. Sure. I mean, I have a lot of those stories because everything I built is organic, um, but I'll give you one. So in 2011, 12, in 2011, I got into Zillow, uh, where I was buying internet leads, basically real estate mm -hmm. in the cloud. And, um, and then one of my leads, who I was not his first choice, I was his second or third choice, I ended up answering my phone. And at the time, I was answering the phones, doing the showings, doing everything, all the 10 hats. Um, and his name was Hovick. I'll say his name, um, still with me to this day. And uh, he was a VP at a bank and uh, he was buying a house, him and his wife. His wife was like eight months pregnant. And uh, <laughs> ultimately, um, after I did the transaction for them, I said, hey, you know, I really enjoyed the people, right? I love this business. I love meeting people, mm -hmm. sponge. And I said to him, I was like, you know, have you ever considered doing real estate? And he's like, what? What are you going to do you mean, do real estate? I was like, he's like, do what you're doing for us. I was like, yeah. He's like, what are you going to give me? Like, why would I do that? I'm in a you know, good paying job. I said, I'll give you leads and I'll give you support. He's like, okay, <laughs> it was like, simple like that. And uh, we ended up, you know, digging deeper into that. And him and his wife ended up coming to work with me. Um, and, you know, I'd say he's probably at 150 million in sales now um, over that run. Um, he's our director of business development, one of our team leads and a guy that's really helped uh, build our firm. And 
So in essence, I always, I always have, I don't really read resumes. Um, I'm all, right. I'm a gut guy. And, um, you know, it's really important that if I, if I like you, I like to work with you and I like to try to push people, be very blunt and direct to the point with them and try to push everything out of them. But, you know, that's, I always have a sense of finding talent in people that I right. meet and extracting that. I mean, give you one like, other example. Um, her name is Claire. She's a monster, a beast at what she does. She's a former, um, well, she's still an attorney today. But again, as I grew and I started building these teams and getting larger, I said, you know what? I need a lawyer to run my firm. And so I found uh, a defense attorney to run my company. Um, and so I found, again, reverse engineering what I lack or what I can't do was able to build that. And so sure. she's with me to this day and she's running, she's our general counsel, our broker of record. Um, and she, you know, she's the person I pay to tell me no, to get out of my own way. So right. there's a lot of examples of that, of finding good talent, extracting it and pushing it out of them. So go back to the couple that uh, purchased the house. Like, what did you see in him that you kind of went, I think he'd be a good fit for our team. Like, what did you see? I mean, he, one, I really liked him. I thought he was really genuine. He had a big heart to this day. He's like a big teddy bear. Um, but at the same time, you know, he was very direct and I, I we just flowed together. I mean, that's typical. I can say that about every single person I work with today flow? that we flow and it was, it was natural. And it wasn't about me being his boss or the other way around. Like, I don't like that type of thing. We were just, felt, I felt it was very comfortable. We were equal. He was willing to listen, um, take direction. Uh, you know, it's hard sometimes to learn from someone else. Also, if they're younger than you too, right? Um, and so it just flowed well. And it was that energy that we just kept on building off of and the momentum. And literally, I remember one day he called me and he said, Hey, I got a, I'm about to write an offer. I was like, what? We just started three days ago. He's like, yeah, half a million dollars. I was like, yeah, right. It was because it was a, even for me, it was like a new system and I couldn't right. believe it because I was the only one closing deals. And just to hear that, it just, that's what made me believe that I want to continue being a leader is seeing other people happy, seeing that yes. all the things that you work on with your hands and your head, they actually can turn into something because sometimes as leaders, we get lost in thinking that you know everything's messed up, it's broken. Oh my God, it could be better, and I think that'll always be the challenge. But seeing other people grow and other people benefit from what we've put together, together, I right. think is really awesome. At least for me, it gives me that that juice. So I did this uh, charity event where you uh, rappel down a building for charity and you're up super high uh -huh. and the thought of it was fine. And when I'm on there, they're putting the harnesses on me. I'm thinking, why am I doing this? And I realized that the director of the kidney foundation, I know her, like her, trust her, and I'm leveraging her trust to these people to let them repel me down a building. And that was an interesting experience in this way. There's probably people that you lead right now that they may not trust themselves as much as you trust them and they leverage your trust. So what do you think is going on there? Because part of the leader is giving people that level of confidence that they don't have that they can borrow it from you from a little while so they believe it themselves. Your thoughts on that concept? Yeah, I think, look, I think life is all about managing. It's all egos and psychology. And uh, like you said, I mean, it's hurting. It's hurting people, bringing them together. And I spend, I spend most of my time being a therapist or at least build, you know, breaking down the walls, whether they're clients, consumers, or they're the agents or staff. I think a lot of people, they already know the answer. They need to bounce it off someone and they need to hear it out loud. And so a lot of yeah. times I'm just a sounding board or I say the same thing they said in a different way and it resonates. Um, so, you know, ultimately I teach agents how to deal with problems and obstacles and, and how to deal with, you know, again, psychology. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. 
um, is getting out of your own way, keeping your confidence high, and listening to people. Actually, not talking over them. Actually, being there in, in the in the present, the present yeah, yeah and, and and being real with them. I mean, I think that is my core values, which is just being humble, being direct. Whether people like it or don't, but at least you're honest and you're respectful, and you can sleep well at night saying what you wanted to say. And you know, a lot of people that I deal with on a daily basis, like you said, I make up their potential downside, and or vice versa. And that's what makes a collaborative team and and, and company, um, which is what I love of my firm. It's a family, and we're all there to pick people up, not put them down, or at least show them the way. Um, so pretty good. And what's really interesting is intent is so important to the process. Like uh, you could, somebody else could say the same thing that you would be, let's say, giving feedback to one of your people. And if the intent is to put them down or to be superior, it gets taken some way. But if the intent is to pick them up, even though you're saying the same words, all of a sudden it's accepted in a different way, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's life. I mean, today I had a meeting with our property management division and, you know, I think there's ways to teach people by telling them how to fix the situation. Yes. But a lot of people tend to push people down um, versus push them up. And a lot of times other people may not voice the feedback that it hurt them. And that's life. This, this is not about real estate. This is life. It's humans. You need a story you sell yourself. You know, I mean, for God's sake, we can go for hours upon that. Right. But, you know, I try to do my best to pay my lessons forward and try to get people out of their own way and to continue to see the, the, the bullseye, you know, and that's kind of what we have to do is keep them in line and do the best we can to give them as much rationale and, and being a good person. That's why I always say we are real people doing right. Estate, right. You have to be a person first before you can do anything else. And be authentic. So you connect with your customers in a totally different way. Something again, you to, to dig deep on this one and you may have it at the top of your head, but sometimes you can't give people the answer. Because if you did, it wouldn't have any value. Can you think of a particular time where one of your charges, you had to get them to come to the realization and then they kind of went, I get it. Do you have one of those stories you can share with our uh, listeners? You know, nothing that jumps out in particular, but I think the theme of it, um, I think there's many of the times when we do sales meetings once a week or, you know, sales trainings a couple times, you know, a lot of times I try not to give them the answer. Right. Yes. Um, I try to give them examples of things. And because at the end of the day, if I continue to hold their hand, like I have a two year old, you know, I got to let him go down the steps by himself. It's okay to fall, you know. Um, but the same thing goes with the agents is that, you know, look, I can show them, I train them on, I, tra I train them on scenarios or a way of talking about people's deals. Not because if it's easy, everyone could, we won't need the agent, right? So I just right. try to go over things in ways without giving them the answer. So we role play, we talk about, we collaborate on different scenarios and how we handle things and things come out. And then once, uh, sometimes when you have a 50 agents on a Zoom call, you start getting people to talk. And then the, right. the ones that are quiet start to talk and they start to feel just kind of when you're in school, when you're elementary school or middle school, everyone's scared to go take the first bat, you know, yep. or whatever. That's why they like to go last or whatever, however you look at it. It's all psychology. Uh, but every day we do that in a way, right? I don't really give them the answer unless you have to, but we're always trying to see, there's always a coaching and training opportunity to, to and, and a lot of my agents, they know what the answers are, just like everyone else. It's just a matter of how you extract it, but they'll never learn if you have to just always tell them the answer. Absolutely. So right now, uh, I'm going to actually, uh, as we're doing this audio interview, we're seeing each other over uh, Google Meet. I'm going to lose you for a minute. I'm going to go to your website. 
And one street has a very clean, modern, welcoming feel to it. So you're building this organization, like what's your intent? How do you distinguish yourselves in a sea of realty firms? Like what is one street? What do you want customers to take away? And how do you embed that in the hearts and minds of the people in your team? Yeah, I mean, look, um, it's, it's all in the name, right? I mean, I learned from the street and uh, we, are, we are one. I mean, that's kind of how I think, right? So that's why I came up with one street. Um, right. We are one team with one goal, which is really just to be successful, take care of people and be good people um, and, and continue to have the best experience in the industry. One of the lackluster situations in real estate, which is why I think there's a purge of agents gonna, it's about to happen. It's been happening is that the consumer doesn't realize how good of an age, how, what they what they deserve as a broker or from a broker. And so right. in my path, in my journey throughout time, I wanted to create something that's not only fun, but collaborative with great energy and a great workspace for, for agents to be a part of their lifestyle, not their job, right. um, is also to resonate that to the consumer and to give them the greatest experience. That if we give them a great place to be and to push out of them their goals and wants, then that'll resonate to the next user uh, or the partner that we, we have with them. So in creating One Street, I just I just feel like even though this is a very selfish, archaic industry, we can be a family. We can be one. And, and that's kind of why we created that. And we are a small boutique, but with massive horsepower. Um, I mean, we are the number one team in the city seven years in a row, and I'm proud of that. I mean, numbers, numbers, but it is something important to, at the end of the day that all your hard work is getting out there and you're anchoring yourself in that we're not some fluke in, uh, company. Um, I don't here to flex my muscle by any means. My muscle is in my brain. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be mature enough at this age at 39 years old to show by leading by example, uh, by making sure our product is the best in the industry, by being the most ethical and the most respectful to the game. And I think those are the things that ma- matter to me today. And to see everyone do well and a smile on their face and they're genuinely happy, I think that goes a long way for me. And that's why One Street was created. So one of the, the last question I want to ask you, because we could go on for a while and we should probably do a part two later on. The question is this, as you have been successful for such a long time and your team is growing this 50 people, it would be really easy to be seduced by the success. So how do you, because you are the anchor for your entire team, how do you stay true? How do you stay humble? How do you stay, keep your eye on the prize and not let go of being grounded? Yeah, I think, you know, my first 10 year run, I mean, I was, you know, making seven figures. I mean, as a 19, 20 year old kid, I was buying anything I want. I owned a bunch, nine houses by the time I was 21. I travel. I mean, I did so much thing, so many things that you would unfathomable in your whole lifetime, but I didn't even realize what I was doing. And so then when the financial crisis hit, I lost everything. I mean, except my head. And right. uh, I mean, I lost all my homes to foreclosure, short sale, you name it. I mean, I was underwater, barely a couple hundred dollars to my name. Um, but that's where that second pivot happened, where I woke up and said, you know what? Get back to the brass tacks. Get back to what you're good at. It's okay. You know, what did you really lose? You still have yourself. And that was where the pivot moment happened for me, where I stopped chasing. I stopped comparing myself. I stopped worrying about everything around me and said, you know what? It's all good. I have this and I have this. And I'll, I, now I have a feeling that I never want to feel again. And so I kept on going at it and rebuilding myself and then started building around me by adding resources. And so, you know, I feel like if you ask me today, I don't stress about anything. 
Um, you know, I, I look at every day as a blessing that I'm alive. Um, yes, of course, we're in real estate, so you have your ups and downs, but I just try to stay in a positive mood. I always think the positive side, no matter what. Um, I never let my problems or anything that happens affect the next person around me or when I'm leading or a client because it's very easy to get down and, and out in this industry. And it took me a long time to get there. Um, but, you know, look, man, I have a great family, a wife that's super strong, that's like my rock, uh, more power to her nice. for dealing with me. Um, beautiful son who's there and they keep me grounded and I have a really good um, support system, you know, great friends, family. Um, I have great people around me in my own business as well um, that really, you know, keep everything fun and light. I mean, we are extremely competitive and we are straight business, but I've never had more fun. It's like illegal to have this much fun. I'm, like, I'm living in a creative world, being an entrepreneur and, you know, my career's evolved dramatically and, and it's, I'm, having, I'm in the best place I've ever been mentally, physically, and I can see the vision of where we're going. And it's going to take a lot more hard work. But, you know, the one sad thing is we're going to die with goals. And, you know, that's the one thing that kind of keeps me pushing because at the end of the day, I think I've accomplished pretty much everything if you want to go on a checklist. But there's yeah. this fire inside that it's not Keep about going. driving. It's about, I don't know what it is, like anchoring in legacy, you know, making sure my son has everything he needs. Um, making sure I can push the best out of people while I'm on this earth and paying it, paying it forward. Um, and so I think I'm still figuring that out, but ultimately I'm in a great headspace and I think I'm the best version of myself today and I'll continue to grow and learn God willing. Samir, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a delight to have you and we have to do a part two later on because there's a ton of questions I have that I think our listeners would want to hear. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been great. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 